Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. When is the time change happening so it's not so dark? It is dark outside, and I had a really hard time waking up today. And Peyton is, like, having a hard time waking up, too. Let it be light. Let there be light. My gosh, please. I'm so tired. All right. We're reading. What are we reading, Peyton? Hmm? Hey, what are we reading? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, Hocus Pocus. Chapter 2. Alright, Hocus Pocus Chapter 2. No, Chapter 1. Sorry. Chapter 1, because the first one was a prologue. Alright, Chapter 1, Salem, 1993. Knock, knock, said Danny, grinning up at her 16-year-old brother as she trotted down the sidewalk, leaves drifting through the air around them. Then slips of yellow, broad, shaggy, and orange as orange things the size and shape of their heads, and the morning was just starting to break open and turn the world to gold. Max rolled his eyes and swung his bike in a loop to, to match her slow progress. Can you please not? It was Halloween, and the houses on both sides of the little neighborhood street were decked out with cobwebs and tombstones, giant spiders, jack-o'-lanterns, some of which were already starting to sag with a little bit of mold. Danny giggled as she ran through the pale tendrils of a ghost horde gathered in a tree. Tatas, she said to her little brother a little loud. Her her pointed black hat sprouted a thin orange trim around the brim, which matched her her sun-patterned jacket and striped skirt. She dressed as a witch, but her own words, in her own words, a fancy one. Then she gave Max. Oh, then grin. The grin she gave Max, though, was more impish than witchy. Max glanced behind them to make sure that the street was still not as deserted as when they had left for school. Seriously, Danny, not the place. He should have known better than to tell Allison about, tell, oh my gosh, he should have known better than to talk about Allison Watts to Jack, because Jack still lived in Santa Monica, and Max's house had shared a phone line and a nosy, with a nosy eight-year-old. Yabos, Danny squealed. Max blushed hard, looking over his shoulder. I'm going to leave you, he said. Find your own way to school. He spun another loop, catching too much speed on the turn, and he stopped before hitting the curb. Danny stopped too, eyes sparkling with mischief beneath the brim of her witch hat. A few strands of tawny hair stuck to her red lips. Then mom will ground you forever, she said. Maybe they won't be so bad, he muttered. Danny put a sympathetic hand on his shoulder. Oh, don't be that way, she said. Then how will you ever see Allison's bazookas? Max groaned and leaned forward over his handlebars. Please stop, he begged. It's not even like that. It sounded a lot like that. She tugged on his sleeve to get them moving again. Max relented, bike wobbling as he pedaled slowly beside his sister. That's why you shouldn't eavesdrop on people, he said. You lose context. One day you'll know what that means. 
Does it mean you saving up to run away to Jack's house and become the next x-ray glasses? And become the next, I don't know what that means, become the next x-ray glasses? Because I heard about that too. The x-ray specs, Max said, you know, I don't even have to walk to, I don't even have to walk you to school anymore if I don't want to. It was true. One of the few perks that he'd been promised about their family's move from LA to Salem was that he, they'd live far from school and Danny would qualify for a bus pickup. But the previous night, she'd said that the bus made her lonely and she begged him to bike ahead of her and to meet her, meet her one stop early so that they could walk the rest of the way together. He agreed against better judgment. She was still his little sister, after all, and as long as she'd been going to school, they'd walk together. But now he was paying the price for nostalgia. But do you, but you do want to, said Danny, dancing through the graveyard on someone's someone's front lawn. Or, or you would have said no. She stepped on a button, and the plastic corpse with the matted black hair sat up and shouted, making her shriek and race to the bike on the sidewalk. As they rounded the corner, Max saw the top of the hill, skinny blonde and no-necked bone known as Jay and Ernie. In the two weeks since the family had moved to Salem, Max had avoided running any run-ins with the two bullies, but he could already tell that they were going to be the kind of boys whose kindergarten teachers, searching for something to say nice about them at the parent-teacher conferences, would have settled on persistent. Sorry, guys, I'm drinking coffee. It's way too early. Jay and Ernie's lackeys. Oh, Jay and Ernie's lackeys seemed to appear out of nowhere as they swaggered down the middle of the road and embellishments on their faux leather jackets glinting dully in the morning light. You know, Max said, wheeling around, I think Mom told me that they're handing out candy at the side entrance. He felt bad about lying to Danny, but she'd get more than enough airheads and pixie sticks later. Hey, she protested as they approaches the annex door. There's no candy. But her brother was gone already, speeding off towards toward Jacob Bailey High. Max was kneeling beside his bike, trying to tying his shoelace when a shadow spilled over his shoulder onto the grass. He tensed, expecting Ernie's hot pickle breath to be on his shoulder any minute. To buy time, he undid his shoelaces and tied them again, carefully. The pristine white shoe and accents of the otherwise black Nike started to blur as Max considered the best way to slip away unscathed. He wasn't about to let some mouth breather spit on his new sneakers and get a, rinse, a rise out of him. He's only gotten, he'd only gotten them at a, as a pity gift from his parents when they'd announced the surprise to move to the place where the witch trials, Massachusetts. You dressed up. Max turned to see Allison Watts smiling down at him. He glanced down at his shirt. A burst of tie-dye swirled up to meet him. I didn't, actually, he said. Allison smirked. Just a California style? Max grinned. He hated what other people made lame, when other people made lame California jokes. But Allison earned a pass because he'd help, she'd helped him find his chemistry lab on first day. Not that he expected her to remember that now. Allison was the kind of person who helped classmates with homework on, in the hallway before the period, who always waited at the approximate amount of time before answering the teacher's question, which turned her into a classroom hero instead of a show-off, and who had an intensity about her that made Max feel like he wanted to be a part of her story.
he could tell that she he could tell that she'd become someone great that she would become someone great one day president or an inventor or the CEO of a company that made flying cars. So when Allison cracked a joke about California, Max found a way to make his stomach flip in a way that interfered with his ability to grimace. He opened his mouth to introduce himself, but no sound emerged. That day, like the past three days, he'd thought about asking her out, but then he thought about her rejecting him, and now he'd awkwardly extract himself from the situation which made walking through town with his sister howling about bazookas sound like a fun weekend activity. Allison watched his face, which must have been cycling through expressions of both hope and abject fear. When he still didn't speak, her smile softened. Well, she said, I'll see you around, California. Bye, Max called after her, deflated. He told himself that she was a human being and not some otherworldly goddess. He told himself that she could... That he could just talk to her, but the thought made him feel the way a terrible ferry ride to Catalina Island had on his ninth birthday, weak-kneed and queasy. How is it possible that he'd fallen for her so hard in just two weeks? Max, As Max shouldered his backpack and walked up, to the, con- up the concrete steps, he cut past six of his classmates, all of them crowded together, gossiping about the old Sanderson house at the edge of town. I'm telling you, we should go there before the party, said a girl in an orange turtleneck. Over the, over the turtleneck, she wore a slouchy blue sweater patterned with pumpkins. No way, whined her friend, who wore a red vest over the white sweater and looked more excited for, a Christ, more excited for Christmas than Halloween. She leaned against the front step's metal t- handle rail. I'm not going anywhere near that house. It's creepy. Max had agreed with the second girl. He'd seen the Sanderson house in the previous weekend ride, and it's... And its rotting walls and sagging windows seemed to peer out of the woods as he cruised past. He'd also noticed the closed indefinitely sign tied along the wrought iron fence that separated the Sanderson house and much of Salem Wood from the actual town of Salem. A boy who wore a sweater over a white shirt threw an arm around the shoulder of the girl in the red vest. I'll just hold I'll just hold you closer, Tess, he said teasingly, grinning. Tess beamed up at him. My hero, she sighed, and then snorted as her head settled on the boy's chest, their semicircle of friends laughing along with her. Max felt the seed of a plan begin to take root. Max wasn't sure why everyone filing into U.S. history at the end of the day had grins on their faces. The classroom looked like it had for the past two weeks, with orange construction paper tacked up on pushpin boards that filled the chalkboard. At the front of the room, one side was a silhouette of a frightened black cat black cat, and another silhouette of a witch on her broom. Above the chalkboard, Miss Olin had replaced the frame portraits of her four favorite presidents with pen and ink drawings of four people involved in the Salem witch trials. Miss Olin herself sat on the desk while the class filled in, scribbling notes to herself among the array of miniature pumpkins. There was a creepy little witch doll propped at the front edge of her desk. She was dressed in a black and white pilgrim's costume and pointed hat with an orange ribbon for decoration, exactly like the one Miss Olin wore herself that day. Max took a seat on the third row beside the girl in the red vest, and a few a few desks away was Allison Watts. After the bell rang, Miss Olin explained for his benefits, he supposed, that Salem's tradition dedicated All Hallows' Eve, each class history teacher re-encount- re 
recounted the town's most popular Halloween story, one that had real witches and bubbling cauldrons and unbreakable spells. The way she said it made Max realize that she was trying to express what a great honor it was for her, but he found himself concentrating on not rolling his eyes. But when Miss Olin began to tell a story about the Sanderson sisters, who had lured a girl into the woods and killed her, then... Uh, then turned to her brother, turned her brother into a cat. Max knew there was some someone smiling down on him. All he did, all he had to do, was provoke Allison into an argument, which would give him an excuse to apologize and invite her to check out the Sanderson house. It wouldn't be hard. This may have been only his second Friday at Jacob Bailey High, High, but he knew that Allison couldn't stand it when people fibbed their way through class discussion. He'd learned that the hard way when he tried to impress her on a Tuesday by swaggering through the devil's advocate position about the state's rights, something that he knew nothing about. He found that that while Allison might be willing to help people with homework before class, she didn't find it charming if she thought that you were making a mockery of something that she cared about. She'd taken no prisoners, and she'd gone straight home to actually read the chapter of the Continental Congress, about the Continental Congress. Now he would use one of his new... Oh, that he'd gone straight home to read the the chapter about the Continental Congress. But now he would use one of his new talents, specifically being publicly humiliated by Alison Watts to his advantage. And so, Miss Olin, on the very tip of her witch's hat bobbing as she spoke, the Sanderson sisters were hanged by the Salem townsfolk. Now there are those who say that on Halloween, the night... The night... Halloween night, a black cat still guards the old Sanderson house, warning off anyone who tries to make the witches come back to life. Look, Peyton, there's a page. You want to see the page? Paper? There's a page. They kind of look goofy. (laughs) And then made a loud pop, a mess of streamers shot from her hand nearest the girl, making the whole class jump. Max had to admit it was a nice touch. It was also his cue. Give me a break, he sighed. Miss Olin turned and arched an eyebrow at him. Aha, she said. We seem to have a skeptic in our midst. Mr. Dennison, would you care to share your California laid-back tie-dye point of view? The class howled with laughter, and Max again had to restrain himself from rolling his eyes at the U.S. history teacher. She wasn't the one whose feathers he needed to ruffle. Okay, granted that you guys in Salem are all into these black cats and witches and stuff. Stuff? gasped an all-fronted Miss Olin. Fine, Max pressed on, but everyone knows that Halloween was invented by the candy companies. The class groaned. It's a conspiracy. It just so happens, said Allison, like clockwork, that Halloween is based on an ancient feast called All Hallows' Eve. Max and the rest of the class turned to watch her tear him apart. She leaned forward and spoke directly to him as she did. Her expression was serious, and for a moment, Max worried that he'd really put his foot in it. It's the night, it's the one night of the year where all the spirits of the dead can return to earth. The class cheered and Allison smiled and accepted a high five from the pumpkin sweatered girl who sat behind Max. At least she wasn't actually upset, he reasoned. Having a whole class turn against him was a little embarrassing, but ultimately Max didn't care that they were celebrating his humiliation. He was already tearing, tearing a sheet of paper from his notebook and scribbling it on his name. He'd pay... He'd pay Danny her weight in gummies and gummy pizzas to keep her away from this call. 
He got up from his desk. Well, he said, crossing the narrow aisle, in case Jimi Hendrix shows up tonight, here's my number. And he handed Allison the folded sheet of paper. The class whooped. Allison raised her eyebrows at him, but didn't answer. Max's heart slammed against his rib cage, a rubber ball trying to escape this risk-taking madman. The bell rang and the class swirled out, Allison with them. Max scrambled to pick up his books and catch her before he lost his courage. Maybe if she gave him a chance, he, he'd actually make friends in Salem, and then Jack wouldn't have to send, lend Max his spare bunk after all. Hundreds of students pressed through the halls of the school and spilled into the streets. In the anomaly uh, of a crowd, a couple of students popped off black and orange streamers. A boy with a dancing skeleton knitted on his beanie shouted, We, we, what do we want? Ghosts, shouted back the rest of the school. When do we want him? Now! Max pushed his way through the celebrants, still baffled by their unselfconscious love of something that was meant for little kids. He was grateful that Allison wore a bright red coat because it helped him keep track of her and the outgoing tide of students. He grabbed his bike and raced after her, slowing only because he was afraid of becoming gross, becoming a gross, sweaty mess. His heart was beating hard enough for what it, he was about to do. He was going to speak with Allison, just the two of them, and he was going to invite her to visit the Sanderson house with him, and she was going to say yes because if she didn't, he would really have to hitchhike back to L.A. since the embarrassment of seeing her ev in every class every day would be too much and when all of his friends were 3,000 miles away. Max's parents and sister kept telling him to try and make the best of the move, and that there would be... And there he was, pedaling after his moonshot. As he biked, he decided that he'd never seen so much Halloween decor in one place, not even at the holiday section of a department store. There were homemade ghosts and plastic zombies and giant googly eyes stuck to the trees. People had even put up yellow and orange lights. One man was testing the fog machine in his yard before the night's, the night's main event. Max swung past the honking cars into Salem Column. Salem Common, the big park that sat in the middle of town. Allison, he barked before he could stop himself. He startled himself even, his foot slipping and causing him to skid to a halt. She turned and eyed him for a second before saying, Hi, but kept walking, but she slowed a little. Hi, he said, towing his way to after her. Look, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you in class. You didn't, she stopped, and then Max did too. He took a deep breath and told himself to play it cool. My name's Max Dennison, he said, extending a hand. Allison softened. Yeah, I know, she said, accepting his handshake. Her palm was soft and warm against his, and he thought of the intricate vases that he'd seen her carrying out of arts art of the art wing enough to to stock a mansion because he'd suspected that she'd she'd keep working it at it until one became perfect he wondered whether or not asking her about her ceramics class would make him seem thoughtful or creepy you just moved here huh she asked saving him some embarrassment yep two weeks ago he grabbed the handlebars not and so she wouldn't notice his hands were shaking that must be a big change for you that's for sure she smiled you don't like it here with two questions, Max felt that this conversation was really on a roll. Uh, the leaves are great, he said, looking up at the fiery underbellies. But I don't know, just all the Halloween stuff. You don't believe in it? What do you mean, like the Sanderson sisters? No way. Not even on Halloween. His heart soared. He wasn't from Salem, but his 
But this was something that he could work with, the universal teenage language of apathy, especially not on Halloween. Allison seemed to hesitate, and Max wondered whether or not he'd misread something. Not No one his age could actually believe in witches and flying broomsticks and newt-eyed potions. Could they? But Allison smiled and offered him a piece of paper, more suave than he could have ever hoped it would be. Trick or treat, she said. And then she gave him she gave him then the look she gave him made his bones melt she walked off pulling her red hood up against the october chill max smiled to himself and for a moment he wasn't even upset that he'd forgotten to ask her about visiting sanderson house he spoke to allison one-on-one and she hadn't laughed at him or anything maybe this meant that they could be friends maybe it even meant that one day if he didn't mess things up they could be something more than that Max unfolded the note and saw his own name and phone number, and his stomach sank. He turned over the paper, but there wasn't anything else written in any, in, on any part of it. He had misread her, although he wasn't sure how, and then, he'd, and then he'd blown it. Max sighed and looked down at the sidewalk. At least, he'd, at least he still had his sweet new shoes. He decided to take the long way home and get some time to think. He pedaled hard through Salem, avoiding anyone who might want to talk to him. He admittedly lim- limited group, an admittedly limited group since he was so new in town, and only slowed when he reached the edge of the graveyard marked by a wrought iron gate topped with the old words, Old Burial Hill. He realized that it was very broady to, speed, to spend some time in a cemetery, but it was also a peaceful place with rolling hills and craggy rocks that on the, north, on the northern rise overlooked Salem and the harbor. Seeing the ocean had given him a comforting feeling, his very first day in Salem. It reminded him of home and of the unending expanse of the Pacific Ocean. The idea this place was a little like L.A. made his heart ache, but it also made him feel like maybe he could really make the most of it here. He didn't, maybe his life didn't have to be so different after all. The crest of the cemetery's hill was the kind of place that he'd want to take Allison one day after they'd gotten to know each other enough that she didn't think he was secretly an axe murderer. They could watch the ships come in and go out, cutting through the deep blue waters of the rolling white caps, and wait for the lighthouse to come as the sun started to go down. He could tell her about Salem, about California, and listen while she explained like, while she explained why she liked Salem, and maybe he'd find a way to like it too. Max rounded the section of a tombstone, heading for the top of the hill. Just then, a boy shouted out, Halt! Max stopped, confused, and turned to see Jay Taylor, the blonde portion of the duo that terrorized Salem with poorly constructed blue rockets and the occasional toilet paper roll. Max groaned inwardly. Just then, Ernie popped out from behind the particularly large gravestone. Max looked at Jay with his straight-shouldered hair length, hair length, and fingers, fingerless gloves, to Ernie, whose brown windbreaker was still too large for his thick torso he wondered how they'd befriended each other on the playground jay tossed his blonde hair who are you max debated pedaling away in front of his bike as as he pointed uphill and it would take a long time to swing it around besides the day had come sooner this day had to come sooner or later max he said shortly just moved here from where jay asked los angeles jay gave him a perplexed perplexed look and max realized that this might be the first time he'd encountered somebody who was too stupid to provide a surf's up joke he counted his blessings la he clarified 
Oh, Jay said happily. Dude, tubular, said Ernie. The train was never late. Max took a steadying breath through his nose. I'm Jay, said Jay. This is Ernie. Ernie grabbed the elbow of Jay's black pleather jacket and pulled him into a crouch. How many times I gotta tell you, he grumbled. My name ain't Ernie no more. It's Ice. <laughs> uh, this is Ice, Jay clarified, pointing. Ernie spun around to show off the back of his head where his nickname was shaved in block letters. Max chuckled. He suddenly wasn't sure why he'd been worried about these two after all. So, Jay said, jumping down from the gravestone he'd been perched on. Let's have a butt. Uh, no thanks, I don't smoke, said Max. They're very health conscious in Los Angeles, mocked Ernie. Jay broke into a raculous laughter and Ernie followed suit. They gave each other a double high five and chest bumped and Max wondered how long he'd be stuck in this new kid haze ritual. You got any cash, Hollywood? Jay asked, coming around to block Max's way and he leaned forward on Max's handlebars. Max felt his pulse hiccup. No, he said, trying to regain control of his bike. Gee, said Ernie, grabbing Max's biceps. Max turned to him and his heart was full on pattering. He had waited around there for too long. Even if these two were dumb, they were still bigger than him and seemed to have a twitchy moral compass. We don't get any smokes from you. We don't get any cash. What am I supposed to do with my afternoon, said Jay. Max exhaled. Maybe learn to breathe through your nose, he said. Jay goffed and quickly pretended to find the ground interesting. Whoa, he said, noticing Max's shoes. Check out the new cross trainers. Max tried to pull away, but Ernie was even stronger than he looked. Cool, Ernie said to Jay. He, his grip on Max's arms tightened even further. Let me try him on. Max looked from, looked from one boy to the other, hoping it was a joke. The Nikes had been the only good thing about his move to Salem. Ernie gave him a look and said, and said, I'm waiting. And before Max knew it, he was biking away from them shoeless, treads of his pedals sharp and uncomfortable, even through his socks. At least they hadn't taken his bike, he told himself. He was angry at himself for not getting away before Jay and Ernie cornered him. He was mad at his dad for accepting the transfer to a new man management position in Salem, and he was mad at Danny for making the move look so easy when it was clearly so painfully lame. At the top of the old burial hill, the cemetery chapel... Hill. Hill. The old burial hill, the cemetery chapel, chimed four o'clock. Max sighed and continued biking down the hill back towards town. Both of his parents would be home by now, as would be Danny. He'd lost his Nikes, his shot with Allison, and his chance at privacy. It wasn't even dinner time yet. What a bad morning, huh? Or bad day. Once home, Max went straight up to his room and flopped onto bed. He hated the sailboat wallpaper in his room almost as much as he hated the purple paint that trimmed the steps leading to the small over the loft overhead. He tried to make it look more like his room, carefully placing his drum set to make to to take up as much space as possible. He'd even tacked some tie-dye blankets that Jack had sent him after Max told him about the California hippie jokes. None of his attempts, though, had worked. This old nursery didn't look anything like his room, and staring at it just made him feel more alone. So he glared at the white popcorn ceiling and listened to the quiet babbling of the fish tank beside his bed. The bike ride home hadn't calmed his anger. If anything, the pedals cutting into his feet had stroked it. Why couldn't his parents have waited two more years before moving? Then he would have graduated and have gone to college and they could have all moved Danny wherever she liked. Besides, the, who transferred their kid to a new school in the middle of October? Max squeezed his eyes shut and sighed. October made him think about Halloween, which made him think about Hall Allison and her note. 
He'd really blown it and he still didn't even get how. Did Allison like Halloween because she liked to get dressed up or because this weird witchy town or because she actually believed in spells that could transform people into immortal cats? Max wasn't sure which Take option. Take candy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Max wasn't sure which option he preferred. He rolled over as if it mattered, as if he'd had the chance with her anyways. Allison, Allison, he sighed, remembering her hand when he had introduced himself. This, it, his smoothest move of the day you're so soft he continued i just want to his his closet burst open and max sat up with a racing pulse boo danny cackled applauding herself for such a good prank she was still in her costume and her patterned skirt swished as she danced i scared you i scared you max hushed danny clambered over him and tossed herself onto his bed she thrashed about cooning allison i'm allison kiss me i'm allison which even made max blush harder he stood up mom and dad told you to stay out of my room oh don't be such a crab danny said rolling her eyes she stood up on his mattress to make herself taller and began to jump in the yellow and orange fringe on her jacket swirling wildly the mattress springs protested with each time she landed guess what she said then before she can answer you're gonna take me trick-or-treating she couldn't be serious. Not this year, Danny. Danny twirled around and leapt off of the bed. Mom said you have to. Well, Max said she can take you. She and Dad are going to the pumpkin ball downtown, she protested, tugging at his sleeves. You're eight, he said, jerking away from her. Go by yourself. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. You're like almost the same age as Danny, too. The last two books, you're like, they're like the same age. Because in fourth grade, they're eight and nine years old. Huh. Cool. Right? Eight? Oh, no, I guess, I guess maybe not. Okay, anyways. Um, you're eight, go by yourself. He crossed the room and sat down on his drum set and tapped out a beat to, on the snare. No way, said Danny. This is my first time. I'll get lost. Besides, it's a full moon outside. All the weirdos are out. Max ignored her, throwing the high hat, throw, uh, throwing in the hi hat. Jack, if Jack had been there, he would have plugged his guitar in and they would have been halfway through London calling by now. Danny threw her arm arms around his neck come on max she said he sighed and let his stick settle across one knee can't you forget about being a cool teenager for one night she begged please come out we used to have so much fun trick-or-treating together remember it'll be like old times he jerked away the old days are dead he said restarting the beat he knew he'd end up having to take her but he wished he wished it to god that she would just give him five minutes alone he needed to think he needed to listen to the green to green day he needed to not walk around with his kid sister dressed as winona the whimsical witch it doesn't even matter what you say danny declared you're taking me max tossed his sticks wanna bet he crossed the room again this time climbing into a small loft that was the best part of his new room the best part of massachusetts as far as he was concerned especially now that allison thought that he was an idiot and his sneakers were getting stretched out by ernie's club feet he crossed his arms and leaned against the wall danny's narrow danny's eyes narrowed and she did the thing that always turned arguments into her favor she screamed for her mom remember in the movie she's like mom oh, no. <laughs> i know Danny and Max had only been trick-or-treating for 10 minutes, but Max was already angling to go home. Before leaving the house, Danny suggested to put him on a costume, and he'd, re he'd relented by putting on sunglasses, a baseball cap, and an oversized suede jacket that belonged to his dad. He pulled the brim as low as they walked, and the, and the grimace on his face said that there was no universe in which this night would turn out to be fun for him. Lighten up, Max, Danny said, leading him to the next house. He plopped on the porch step to wait as she 
uh, as she sidled up, uh, sidled, interesting, as she sidled up to the door after a pink princess and a pirate. What little festive, what a little festive witch you are, said the woman who answered the door. Max rolled his eyes. When Danny came back, pleased by her both, pleased with both her haul and her compliment, she handed Max the extra candy bar that she'd taken for him. Can we go home now, he'd asked, dropping chocolate into his bag. No. As they headed back downtown, the walk towards the street, oh, down the walk towards the street, Max groaned. Danny, he started, but it was too late. Jay and Ernie had rolled up and were hol- were holding court with his their goons. Jay was a pumpkin was in a pumpkin smashing contest with their beanie wearing sophomore as Ernie was perched on the brick and concrete wall of the steps that Max and Danny had to take back and return to the street. Dude, if I saw if I w- was an adult, I would haul my tail out there and turn on the hose and spray the teenagers. What about you? Mm-hmm. I don't think the adults would put up with that. Max pivoted, decided to cut across the lawn and walk down the driveway of the neighbor house. Neighboring house. Danny did not get the memo. Ding, ding, ding. Ernie trilled. At that, Jay hurried over to Danny. Stop and pay the toll, kid. Ten chocolate bars. No licorice, added Ernie. Dump out your sack. Danny wrinkled her brow, unimpressed. Drop dead, moron. Around them, the boys in the denim jackets and ill-advised hats let out a chorus of shocked delight and whoops and whistles. You twerp, Ernie quickly cut in. How'd you like to be hung off on that telephone pole? I'd like to see you try, said Danny. Just so happens I've got my big brother with me. She looked over her shoulder at Max, who was staying in the background, dreaming of dodging the boys by holding down the black by holding down the block, but not willing to abandon his sister. Max, Danny yelled. Hollywood, Ernie called in recognition. Max stuffed his hands into his pocket and looked away. This time, the swell of the sound bubbled with laughter. Awkward, intoned the guy with the world's smallest ear gauges. So, said Jay, swaggering over to Max, you're doing a little trick-or-treating. He mimicked the action with Ernie and gained a cheap laugh from their friends. I'm just taking my little sister around, Max said, stepping into Jay's personal space. Jay hummed. That's nice, he said, and slapped the brim of Max's bell cap. Wow, I love the costume, he leaned in. But what are you supposed to be? A new kid on the block? He grabbed Max's elbow to keep himself from falling over as he cracked at his own joke. For your information, Danny announced, announced he's a little leaguer. Then the boys laughed hard at, at that, with Ernie pretending to strike a pitch with Jay from a tiny invisible bat. Max shouldered the Max shouldered past them. Wait a minute, Ernie said, grabbing Max's shoulder. Everybody paid the toll. Stuff it, zit face, Danny said. Ernie dropped Max's jacket. To, wait, dropped Max's jacket to turn on her. Why you little? Hey, Max interrupted, putting himself in between Danny and the bullies. Ice here, he said, and pressed his own paper bag of candy into Ernie's thick chest. Pig out. He took his little sister's arm. Come on, Danny, let's go. As he stalked down the block, he gave no his candy. He as he stalked down the block, Danny skipped. Danny skipping to keep up with him. He heard Ernie send over a last volley across the road. And Hollywood, the new shoes fit great. Ugh gross you just think in the movie how like ugly and gross he is huh i mean not like the character but like they made him look like ugly like he's breathing through his nose he's like ugh, gross max let go of danny's arms and shoved his hands into his coat pocket his face burning 
He didn't say anything as they made their way down the block. He could tell that Danny was disappointed in him, which only made him more annoyed with her. It was great that she thought that he could take ten guys in a fight, but seriously, now Jay and Ernie, Ernie would never forget his face, and now that had given them both his shoes and his candy without fighting back, they'd never leave him alone. He followed Danny up with the front steps to another house. You should have punched him, Danny said. She she looked at him, and she didn't look at Max. Her flip suggestion made Max's irritation flare. He would have killed me. At least she would have died like a man, she replied. Hey, Max imagined that Allison would have kept her cool and Danny's and turned Danny's gendered True. stereotyping into a teasing teaching moment. Yeah. As she'd done with her geometry teacher made a joke about girls being bad at math. But right now she was just he was just afraid that his little sister might be right. You just humiliated me in front of half the guys at school, he told her hotly, so collect your candy and get out of my life. Danny's eyes filled with tears. She brushed on she brushed past him on her way back down the steps. I want to go home now. Max sighed as she dashed through the yard down the sidewalk. He hadn't really meant that, and he certainly shouldn't have said it out loud. It wasn't Danny's fault that Jay and Ernie and their gang were so awful. There was a display of haystacks and seasonal decor in the front of the house, and she tackled one of the pumpkins as if it were one of her own fluffy pillows on her bed. Danny, Max said walking over, I'm sorry. He sat down on the heavy hay next to, next to his sobbing sister it's just that i hate this place he said sniffing snatching the snatching off his ball cap i miss my friends and i want to go home this is your home said danny over her shoulder so get used to it she said sniffing and wiping from her nose max sighed if only it were that easy danny had always been better at rolling with the punches but he also knew that just because she didn't mean it that just because she was didn't mean that she should take his own dislike or change out on her he leaned over. Yeah, he admitted. Then he gently said, Give me one more chance. Why should I? Because I'm your brother. She turned to look at him, and Max gave him an exaggerated pout. She giggled, at the sound, and the sound of her laugh made him smile, too. Max looked up, past the glare of the streetlights. Whoa, he said. Check that out. What? Danny said seriously. The two of them stood up. Something just flew across the moon, Max said. Danny wandered closer to the street, craning her neck. Max glanced down at her and smirked and grabbed around the waist shouting she squealed breaking into another wave of giggles Fulja, max said dusting hay off her jacket danny realized for a moment against against her big brother oh, danny relaxed for a moment against her big brother and for the and for a second it felt like they were back at home in southern california happy let's go jerk face she said tugging on his sleeve they turned down the street or turned down the walk and cl to the closest house and gasped in unison. Do you remember whose house they saw? Uh, yeah. Whose house? I don't remember her name. Allison. Oh. It's a big white house, which is actually a real yeah. house. Yes. Cool.